other general hockey, uh, general sports fans pay that much attention to this time of year, but I guess hockey fans do. Oh yeah. It is a, um, and especially this year, John, it's been quite chaotic. There's been a, a string of events that have come kind of one after another, but we went through the beginning of the free agent fracas yesterday, and uh, that's what we're going to address today. Was it a, an eventful year? I would say no, but, um, there were at least a few things that happened that yeah. people will be intrigued by. I think I, I think there's I think there's a real hope uh, with what we've seen the last few days that we're returning to normal, which is why I think that there's so much interest. I think the people are hoping to get to the arenas. I think that people are hoping their teams are improved and that we're going to be back to where we were two years ago before the pandemic. And I think that's why people are. I think that's why there's a perceived growth and in interest in the game. Kevin Paul DuPont of the Boston Globe, Mike Zeisberger of NHL.com will join us and we'll chat about it when uh, the podcast continues after these messages. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Well, the hockey season is over. Yeah, right. That other hockey season is now well underway where we spend more time talking about it than uh, during the regular season or the playoffs for that matter. Uh, Kevin Paul DuPont, Boston Globe is with us. Mike Zeisberger of NHL.com. Well, I guess it was a busy first day of free agency, but was it particularly impactful, eventful? DuPont, for you first. Well, interesting. I don't know about impactful, interesting moves as always that that's nothing new, a whole lot of money spent, which uh, I suppose that's, that's an eye catcher given the flat cap and supposed economic uh, restraint they're supposed to be showing. I don't, I don't find $9 million to Dougie Hamilton in the restraint category. Uh, And and we can parse that out later, but, but overall, and, and, and on, on the parochial level here in Boston, they, they did go out and get, three forwards, two defensemen, and a goalie. So I, I don't remember anyone going out and getting a, a six-pack to plug in like that. Uh, and that said, most of them are B-listers. Uh, uh, it, at, 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 in some cases, overpaying in Boston. Uh, but that is, I say, the consequence of some bad drafting and, and also some, a number of deadline moves the last two, three years that deplete the stock. At least they recognize that. They went out and got legitimate NHL bodies, as I say, most of them B-listers. We keep hearing, Z, about um, economic restraint given the flat cap for the next couple of years. Uh, And yet, there's a lot of teams spending money. Um, What should we make of this? Is this like, this, we're at the cap, we gotta, we gotta, you know, we gotta pull back. Is this all uh, nonsense? Well, I want to put something into perspective. I mean, people say that there was all this money spent. Was there really? Let, let Think about something. And I know there wasn't a salary cap at the time, but 19 years ago, okay, the New York Rangers paid $9 million a year to get Bobby Holik, 
Bobby Halik and John's Maple Leafs were after him too. Uh, Bill <laughs> Waters just couldn't pull the pl- pull the pull the string on it. Um, the Rangers outbid him. Now, if if you look at that right now, Bob, and I understand there's a cap now, and I understand there's a flat cap, um, but Bobby Holik 19 years ago had a higher salary and a higher average annual value than Nathan McKinnon, Landis Gog, uh, you know who who we talked about, Sidney Crosby, Stephen Stamkos, Victor Hedman, Nate McKinnon. We can go down the list. So. Yeah, there was a lot of money uh, uh, spent yesterday, but was there really? I mean, uh, the one one albatross that I see, and Kev Kev mentioned this, was Dougie Hamilton. And and this is no offense to Dougie, but in in, in my National Hockey League, uh, uh, Dougie Hamilton is not a $9 million defenseman. And I just, I just, I understand why the Devils did it. Uh, I just find that that could be a deal that bites him in the you know what uh, by the time it's done. But I I, I think to to many people, uh, just to combine both of your thoughts, um, there was a lot of money spent on guys that we were shocked they were going to get that money. (laughs) You know, Blake Coleman was making a million eight in Tampa. Mm -hmm. He more than tripled his salary in Calgary. Uh, and if you're going to do that, you better be a top six forward. But I think what Blake Coleman has proven in the particularly since his time in Tampa, that he's not, not a top six forward. He's a, he's a good third liner. Uh, 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 Philip Deneau, who turned down an offer for Montreal uh, at, at one point, boy, he got a lot of money in Los Angeles, five, you know, five and a half million dollars a year. There is a lot of uh, Jaden Schwartz in, in, in Seattle. Uh, Philip Grubauer in Seattle got a lot of money. Uh, and, you know, you know, I mean, I just, that's the part that shocked me was it's, it, you know, by the way, the Bobby Holy uh, signing may be one of the reasons why that we do have a salary cap now, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but at the same time, I was just shocked at the amount of money for the quality of the players. And I think well, that's what everybody was shaking their head at. What I, what I was more shocked at, guys, is the fact that some of the term on these deals, seven-year deals, eight-year deals, and it wasn't that long ago, um, you know, obviously before we got in the COVID world and obviously before the cap went flat, that the trend was four or five years. You were going out on a limb if you gave a guy four or five years. Mm-hmm. And now you're giving Zach, the Zach Hyman's of the world. And I, I like Zach. I, I've watched him live a lot of times. This kid wears his heart on his sleeve. But um, seven-year deals for some of these guys? Even a guy like Suter in Dallas. Okay, he's 36 years old. You give him a four-year deal? Um, you with, know, a full, it, with a full no-move clause. Yeah. So, and, and you know that that curve, the, 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 the level of playing curve is, is going to go down at any point now. So that's what surprised me more than the money that was thrown around, Bob, is, is to me, some of the ridiculous terms that term um, given to some of these players. Well, is the Hamilton deal the most suspect of these? Um, Kevin, you seem to think so, I think. 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I'm listening to these guys and, and both great points. And I, and I guess, you know, it, it's it's a case of both of these are true. Right. But <laughs> both are true. And, and and, you know, they've 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 rearranged the CBA now that there's there's sort of, uh, you know, pads in the gutters of the bowling alley. They can only hurt themselves so much. I, I, I also think that to a degree here, uh, the figure 650 million is the guiding light. Even though, yes, there's the whole flat cap and 81 and a half million, but when Seattle has forked out 650 million bucks for an expansion franchise, that says to 31 other teams, at minimum, they've built in another 150 million in equity. Mm -hmm. So what looks like gigantic numbers to us, and in some cases they are, I think the Hamilton deal, it's not off the rails, but there's a premium there because Jersey has to pay extra to get people there now. And, and maybe forever because it's it's Jersey and it's Newark. Uh, I thought the Ovechkin deal was ridiculous in terms of, you know, 50 million bucks for a guy that age at this point. And I know he's an anomaly and a great player and all of that. I thought Suter was ridiculous money down in Dallas. Uh, but I do see value there. And again, with his age, if they're ju judicious about how they use him in terms of minutes and situations, They'll, they'll get decent value. That's not eight, nine, and 10 million bucks. But those are the three that sort of stuck out in my mind. You know, I, and I, I don't profess to know the answer to this question, but it seems to me that it was not so many years ago that you had a bunch of teams that spent to the cap. You had a, a trickle of teams that were below the cap. And then you had a bunch of teams that had to spend like crazy to get to the floor. How many of those teams are left? Four or five. To me, there's a lot more spending near the cap than there are teams yeah. trying to get to the floor. I, I think there are, and Mike, you might know better, but I think there's right now there's about four or five teams that are still below the below the floor right now. Um, and we'll have the summer to get to that point. Um, and, but it's and, it's certainly not what, what it used to be, Bob. And, and what you're seeing now is some of these teams, uh, you know, uh, like Arizona, um, they're taking, you know, injured players, uh, you know, Chris, Pr Chris Pronger, uh, retired, you know, you could say the last team that he was a member of, uh, was the Arizona Coyotes because they take on some of these guys in trades that let's face it, aren't going to play, um, get draft picks back for cap space. And that seems Bob to be the, 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 the key word this year, at least, is cap space and cap flexibility and and that's what teams are doing they'll say look you know the teams that aren't spending to the cap you know like the coyotes they'll they'll look and they'll say look we need we not we need to replenish our draft picks um obviously uh they were penalized by the league a couple of years ago for for um illegally testing some some prospects uh that went against the nhl rules so they got uh, docked or, or had draft picks taken away. So they'll say, you know what? We'll take on the salaries that you don't want. Give us draft picks and, and back. So I think that is one of the things that has really, look, look at Brent Seabrook, uh, his rights got traded to Tampa Bay. He's never going to play again, but that gave him enough cap space because they can put him on long-term IR um, to give Braden Point, a, a, you know, um, that contract at uh, $9.5 million a year. And I will say guys, that's a lot of money, 
I think there's a hell of a lot more value there. And I know they're just keeping their own guy. But to sign a, a, a legitimate, in my estimation, superstar in Braden Point than paying Dougie Hamilton, uh, uh, you know, 500000 less a year at, at $9 million. I know they play different positions. I know that Point has a better supporting cast. But, um, you know, if, if, if ever, in, in my estimation, if ever, there, you know, somebody was worth that $9.5 million, Braden Point certainly was. And they couldn't have done it. Uh, without taking on the rights to to Brent Seabrook, who I said is never going to play another National Hockey League game again. Well, I, just to, just to, to you talked about Arizona, uh, and I think we could put Buffalo in this group too. I I mean, will Arizona win fifteen games next year? Will Buffalo win fifteen games next year? What their their game plan is obviously now to look at the next two drafts and say, maybe we, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go and build through the draft again and take another chance. What well, do you think, think Kevin? I have no faith in either of them. I, I, I keep <laughs> waiting to see what the, what the grand design is, right? Usually you, you wait for the clouds to clear and you can say, okay, that, that's the path. But I don't, you know, in both cases, the franchises, the third sweater should be hazmat suits. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's dreadful to watch and it's painful. I, I, you know, and I know Buffalo is, I know the Buffalo market pretty well. They're, 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 you know, they've got 50 years there. They're bought in and there's always going to be that faithful, I don't know, what is it? Four or 5,000 season ticket holders. That's what happened here in Boston uh, before the, before the Thornton draft. So, but right now, uh, you, you know, the, the big deal in Buffalo is will they keep Eichel or not? I mean, you have a franchise player and you can't sort of work around that even. So it's it, it, it both it both franchises. I, I really don't know if I were just a fan wanting to buy into tickets, wanting to buy into the team. I don't see what it is. Uh, let's take the break. I want to talk about Eichel and um, and what we all think might happen there and, you know, uh, Kevin, you raised the, the question of whether Buffalo keeps him, and you, we have to consider that. I think many people believe he's he's gone, but there's a chance he keeps him. And is that the worst idea? We'll talk about that when we come back after these messages. It's McCowan. It's uh, Shannon with uh, Kevin Paul Dupont, Mike Zeisberger, as we uh, take a look at the early days of free agency and hockey in the off season. Um, there's no doubt that Jack Eichel is the carrot that is being dangled or the biggest carrot that's being dangled out there, I guess. And I think most people can see that Buffalo would like to move them. I certainly believe that's the case. Well, let's start with this. Will they be able to move him, Or do you, is there a perception that the ask is going to be too high? Z, to you first. Well, first of all, uh, rumors have it that Eichel yesterday was skating in Kev's backyard um, in Boston um, hmm. at, the, at the Bruins practice rink. But uh, keep a good sheet. Yeah. <laughs> you, listen, that's, you, that's anybody can anybody can rent anybody can rent an hour. You know, I mean, <laughs> what in Kev's backyard? Sure. That's tampering, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, Bring your lawnmower. Yeah. But look, Bob. Whatever deal the Buffalo Sabres make, they are not going to get the best player in the deal. It's, it's as simple as that. And, and a lot of people judge, even with draft picks, that how do you evaluate a trade? Well, who got the best player? Well, Buffalo ain't going to be it. Um, and I understand that they're asking a high price for this guy. This guy 
you know, was a franchise player, um, albeit uh, when he got, when, when the Sabres had the best odds to win the lottery and Edmonton ended up winning it, um, you know, there, there was a lot of disappointment that they didn't get McDavid um, among the fan base. And, and, you know, you look at Eichel's numbers, um, you know, it's not like he hasn't produced, uh, but but he hasn't made the people around it, but he had, Mike, I'm going to be the devil's advocate here. He hasn't made people around him produce. Either. No. I mean, no. when you look it, at, when you look at Jeff Skinner, who has become a, 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 a unmitigated disaster uh, in Buffalo, even though he makes a lot of money, uh, you look what, what was supposed to happen with Taylor Hall last year. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jack, I, I mean, you talk about him being an, a, a franchise player. I'm, I'm starting to wonder about that now. He's getting paid franchise player money at $10 million. But I'm starting to wonder is what truly is his value. And that, particularly with all the health issues with, you know, with the disc and the neck and what's going on there. So if I'm a general manager, Bob and I've talked about this before. If I'm a general manager, I'm just staying clear. That's the easiest thing. I'm staying away from this. I wouldn't touch this with a 10-foot pole. Well, maybe maybe I should correct my uh, my the way I phrase that. He should be a franchise player given the talent that he has. But I agree, John. And, and sometimes that's a great point. And sometimes when you look at the body the body language on this kid, sometimes when you look at just his facial expressions, um, you know, I, I I can see that it turns people off. Sometimes you just wonder. Um, you know, we've heard Anaheim. Uh, I really do think they need some kind of infusion there. Uh, I keep hearing about all these great kids that the Ducks have. Well, you know what? I think they're wasting um, a lot of the prime years of John Gibson, who I think is one of the best goalies in the league. And Minnesota, which didn't really uh, have a wow factor uh, for a long time. I mean, you know, they're said to be interested too, but you know, it, it is proceed with caution because, you know, you get stuck with that tag, $10 million on, in a flat salary cap world. That's really, really hard to dig yourself out from. I, I can just jump in here. You know, part of it is to perception going in. I mean, he came in as heralded as their next Gilles Perot, right? So unfair from the start. 18, made captain very young. And also to go back, I think McDavid is a much better player, far oh, yeah. better, far sure. better player, far fast, mesmerizing speed. What's Edmonton done in the same same span, yeah. right? So you know, guys, as we well, well at know, least they made the at least they made the playoffs. I mean. They did, and then they got there and they couldn't score. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, here, here, here's an interesting little fact. Um, you know, McDavid and Eichel go one two. Uh, in the and, and John can correct me on the math here, but uh, McDavid Eichel go one two in, in the draft one year, and then Austin Matthews goes number one the next year. Those three guys combined have played on teams that have won one playoff series. Am I correct with that, John? Well, uh, uh, yeah, that's right. McDavid, the Oilers won one series in San Jose, yeah, and Eichel and, and Matthews zip, yeah, so. You know, we were throwing around the term franchise player, but maybe that's something to John's point. I mean, uh, it's not basketball. One dominant guy 
means uh, nothing. Dominant guys cannot 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 win you a title. Yeah. It also underscores the obvious because that's what I do. That when when yes. you're in a position to pick first, you finish dead. Typically, you have finished dead last unless you've made some really clever deal to, to you know pinch off the first one. But but once once you get into those bottom five teams in this league, it, it's a hard crawl back. Uh, no matter you know no matter who you get, you get McDavid, yeah. you get Drysital as well. Still doesn't mean all that much. It takes it takes a whole lot of drafting. Uh, f- financial discipline, intelligence, and scouting—we know all of that. And I think if you look at those two organizations, you'd have questions about many of those factors beyond the easiest thing of all, which is to show up in the draft June twenty-something or other, holding the first pick and say, "Yeah, I'll take the best guy." Yeah, I, the, the other the other thing that jumps out at me, and you you mentioned Minnesota, Mike, just and off the top of my head, I'm not sure that it doesn't sound like. Billy Guerin's interested in, in Eichel anymore. He's opted out or whether the price was too high, but I'm not sure you can bring Jack Eichel in and not have, have to pay Kaprasov a yeah. similar amount of money. Uh, and they have to sign him this summer. Uh, and uh, Otherwise he's going back to the KHL and, and let's face it right now. Kaprasov is a much more influential player for a hockey club than Eichel is. Uh, right. And, and not so, a center. And not a center. Right. Yeah. And so, so you, so you, then you have to, then you have to say, okay, listen, if I bring Eichel in, what do I do? How does that upset the balance of the roster that I have right now? You know, that's one of the amazing things about Boston, uh, you know, and you were talking about, they made six changes. So um, in comparing what Boston did after being eliminated in the playoffs way too early in all of people's opinion and what Toronto did yesterday being eliminated in the playoffs far too early the Toronto Maple Leafs couldn't do anything because of their, their four big players cost them so much, but look at the cost savings that the Bruins have around their big players. And it still gives Don Sweeney a tremendous amount of flexibility to go out and try to sign players. And that's something that that's something that, you know, that if there's a new manager out there, if there's somebody doing a study, there's an amazing study of, of two franchises and what should do, what they should do and what they need to do. Well, I think Kev's Bruins were, had one of the best days of anybody. I know that, uh, you know, we talk, or let, let me change that. One of the best weeks of, of, of any team in this league, because, um, you know, what's, what's the window? Uh, Bergeron's getting up there. In age, you know, Marshall. Three years max. The window's three years max. So, max. so they are. Uh, I will remind you the obvious. We've been talking about that window for 10 years now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they, they won the cup in 2011, and it's, you know, gee, this is a good lineup. Let's try to do it here. Let's try to. It's 10 years on now. So I would argue well, they, the window has essentially closed. The, 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 the home run yesterday, yesterday was a ground rule double, in my estimation, for the Bruins. Mm-hmm. They brought in a bunch of these infrastructure guys, all important, all underscoring the fact that their drafting hasn't been good and they've dealt away pieces to try to stay in the hunt every year because of the window. The, 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 the home run would have been to have uh, filched Braden Point from Tampa and paid him nine million bucks. That would have been the home run and that would have changed yep. everything's jo- everything John is talking about. But they don't do that. And you know what? I'm talking out my hat there to a degree because... There's no telling if he'd have taken the nine million from Boston, right? Well, yeah. it raises the issue of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and not to be um, everything does. 
too yeah. local centric. But, you know, you point to, you guys have all pointed to the fact that Toronto Maple Leafs have four players being paid a whole crap load of money and they have virtually no flexibility as a result of that. And they've had zero, I mean, zero success. And they're not even trending up. I mean, the only thing that trended up was their performance during the regular season, which we all know is relatively inconsequential. When push came to shove, these guys couldn't beat the Montreal Canadiens after being up 3-1 in the first round. So, but there's no conversation about the Maple Leafs moving any one of their four big guys. We're talking about Buffalo moving their only player of, of any consequence. That's because he's requested to be traded, Bob. Well, That's why fine, he wants whatever. Out. He wants but, out. None of those other, the Leaf guys don't want out. This is playing in Mecca. Well, why? Because they're getting paid. They're going to get paid this amount of money wherever they go. They get treated like royalty by that organization. Absolutely. Bob, well, there is, no, there is not one semblance of tough love in that organization. Or accountability. Should there be? Oh, Should the Toronto Maple Leafs be looking to move at least one of these guys? Nobody wants to answer. Well, I, I mean, it, I, I, I don't, it's not simple, but the answer is that I, I yes, yes, they should. Yeah, Absolutely they should. Yes. They should. Yeah. should. Absolutely, yes. I, I don't, I mean, I, I think it's, it's obvious, not. isn't it? Yeah, but which one? And yet, why is that conversation not at the forefront? Why do the Toronto Maple Leafs get away with being mediocre at best and with the, the decisions that this general manager has made? Um, where they have four players at very oh, high 40 salaries, million, forty million total, yeah. and cuffing their the organization and no prospect of success. You cannot go into. No one will go into this season thinking this is the year of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, in fact, uh, Bob. In, in fact, if you look now that we're going back to the old divisions, is Tampa better? Yes. Is Florida better? Way better. Prob pr probably. Um, what about the Bruins? Are yes. the Bruins better? Okay. So all of a sudden, the, the Maple Leafs are fourth in this division, where only three are, you know, really guaranteed a spot of being in the playoffs. Now, the Maple Leafs are now, in theory, fighting for a wild card in the Eastern Conference with this, with this lineup. And that's, that's, the, that's the amazing thing. And then you, then you throw in the Ottawa Senators, who, by yeah. the way, are, are the Ottawa Senators aren't at the floor yet, so they, you know, they're going to be doing something in order to try to get to the, get to the floor. Um, all of a sudden, the Maple Leafs are now in the same breath as the Ottawa Senators, fighting for the fourth spot. And you know, with Buff Buffalo and and Detroit are still learning how to win or trying not to win in one case. So the Maple Leafs are. It, it's this is. This is not the team that uh, in the position that I think that people at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment expected to be at. No, Bob, but you, met, you mentioned something about, you know, there being, how do they get away with it? I don't think that they are in this market. And, and John, John can speak to this point, but it has been a long time. And look, look I mean, you know, three of the four of us uh, have spent enough time in this market to know there's been plenty of reason for people to bitch and whine. I mean, this franchise has, has given them plenty of reason to do that. But the venom that I've seen 
from the fans, the disgust, the anger um, at Maple Leafs management, uh, specifically Kyle Dubas, and even Brendan Shanahan, who has kind of been, you know, he's kind of been untouchable uh, throughout this whole thing. But the public outcry and the accruing frustration, I haven't seen this in a long time. I mean, there is, is pure... Yeah, who cares? I, you know what, Z? Z, I don't care about, about those kinds of people because those are the same kinds of people that clap their hands, jumped up and down when they signed Tavares to an $11 million contract yeah, and the Austin Matthews and everybody else. They love it when you sign the big name guy. And then they're the first to bitch and complain when well, the process doesn't work out. But I, I would say, Bob, like, like those two guys are walking the plank. I mean, if... if well, if, uh, they're not if, walking if it today. Out, I think they're gone. Well... They are going to get one more kick at the can, Bob. That's the reality. They Why? Are going to... Why? Based on what? Well, I'm based. I mean, I obviously that their uh, their feel of transparency of, of being open and listen. And I'm not defending Kyle. You're not answering the question. Why uh, are they getting being given another chance? Because I think obviously ownership thinks that they're on the right path. Well, ownership is stupid. We acknowledge that. Okay, there you go. So now a bunch we figured of, that out. A bunch out. of broadcasters we, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a rich guy. We figured, I mean, we figured, now we figured that out. Page six okay, when it we comes figured, to this stuff. We figured that out now. But I mean, when you take a look at what Kyle tried to do at the trade deadline, it, it wasn't for him sitting there saying, okay, we're, yeah. we're set. He actually, in my opinion, it's the subjectivity of how he does the job that has, it has to be challenged now. And was the timing right? Was the decision on the Felino trade the, the right thing? I mean, those are the, those are the real challenges. And history will tell us now the Felino deal was a bad deal. And, but it was, the it, was Felino it on deal, the Felino deal had no impact on, on what happened in the postseason. You know, he was a B-list player at this point. I love the guy, but I mean, he's a B-list guy. His impact was going to be negligible. At the end of the day, you got four guys you're paying a crap load of money to, and they didn't perform. And management continues to keep their jobs. And worse than that, they keep following the same path over and over again, as if they're so committed to the decisions that they made three and four years ago that they can't realize that those were the wrong decisions. And if that's the case, somebody's got to stand up, whether it's the president of the club or the ownership or whatever, and say, hold on. You guys tried this. That's nice. You failed and you failed miserably. Mm-hmm. You failed colossally. So either you come up with a new plan or I will find someone who will. I totally agree. I, if, if they're, they're paying four forwards as their franchise players, right? Yep. What's the average? The 10 million bucks. Yep. If I'm gonna pay four, four, here's an easy formula, guys. If I'm paying four franchise players, make one of them a defenseman and one of them a goaltender. And, and, and the Buffalo model of years ago that worked pretty well was they had one franchise player in Dominic Hasek, <laughs> and that was enough. Yep. Meanwhile, these guys in Toronto, are, it's, it's a clown show. And, and, and I'll tell you where the clown show exists. It exists in error one, management falling in love with players. Fatal yep. mistake. When you fall in love with the player, you're halfway out the door. The other co-enabling factor is fans have fallen in love with the players. Oh, sure. Right. Mm -hmm. So you've got these two giant love affairs going on 
And then Z points out at, uh, very aptly, who's mad at who there? The fans <laughs> at management. That <laughs> doesn't change shit all. That <laughs> changes nothing. Meanwhile. So they, 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 they wake up every morning and shoot themselves in another foot. That's what they've got here. You know, what they should have been trying to do was move Tavares off the books for 50 cents on the dollar, yes. find a taker, you pick up 5 million bucks there, and then you make a great trade with Nylander. And somewhere out of all that cap savings, you get yourself a franchise goaltender. Meanwhile, and, and those are great points, Kev, you go to New York oh, yeah. Islanders. Okay. You do what? Lou, you go to the Islanders where Lou wasn't obviously, hey, we got to move away. We got to move on from Lou. Okay. Lou goes to the island after, you know, you know, he doesn't want to be an advisor uh, to Kyle. Oh, would you, the, would you want to be an advisor? No, you, not at all. No. Not at all. Goes to the island. One of the first things that happens is he paying? loses his franchise captain. That's the question. To the team that he left. And right now in the three years, in terms of playoff series one, New York Islanders six, Toronto Maple Leafs zero. So, you know, people can make all the excuses that they want of why that happened. But at what point do you look and, and look at look Lou Lamorello has some rough edges. We all know that. But when you see what this guy has done on the island with, which, with what I would say is less raw talent than the, the Toronto Maple Leafs have on their roster. Much less. Don't the, don't the question marks have to come up now? Well, why? I, that's my whole point, Z. I mean, why not? Why is it in this? Now, and now you have, okay, essentially the Mrazek-Anderson thing is the only thing that's really relevant over the last couple of days. It's like a trade. It's really like a trade. Um, Toronto wanted Mrazek. Well, they didn't want to pay Anderson. And Carolina says, okay, we'll take Anderson. We don't mind paying. Who's the better goaltender? Well, the problem is, is that neither are what Kevin defines as a franchise goaltender. Well, I, I get there that. There aren't many of those. That, there aren't many. No, but I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Well, wait a second. There was one, there was one guy, and I know he's 37 years old. But Fleury got traded. The Vesna Trophy winner got traded from Vegas to Chicago a few days ago. Yeah, but the Leafs, the Leafs couldn't take that cap space. Why? Well, you know why. Yeah, because they fell in love. Yeah, but uh, you know, to go back to the Islanders, I mean, that the the key thing there is that they have two valuable goaltenders, you know, yeah. that are are you know are better than anybody else Toronto has. Or Carolina, for that matter. But John, really, just interject really quick. To Bob's point, okay, and, and we've been talking about Lou. Do those four guys get the contracts that they have right now if Lou Lamorello was running the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, we know the answer we to that. We all know There's the answer to that. not a chance in hell. No, I, 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 to be the devil's advocate, Tavares would have gotten his deal. Because Taver well, Tavares would have gotten his deal. He well, would have. That, that would have been a mistake on Lou's part. If, and, if and, and let's face it, that's the, that was the domino that started all of this because as soon as you sign Tavares to that deal, what does Matthews make? What does Marner make? And then the Nylander, listen, the, 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 the management of the Nylander holdout to basically, in the end, well, that, not, was, that was a joke. 
that was well, and not to, to and then they end pay him exactly close to what he wants. Gosh, it, it really put, it, it, it puts a, a bad light on things. If you take his contract, and I forget what it is, it's around seven, isn't it? Yeah, Six, yeah. Yeah. Just below. yeah, take that contract and dangle it in front of the Vegas Golden Knights, and maybe you got Flurry. You know, I mean, it's I know that math, the math doesn't work that way, but they couldn't they couldn't even be they couldn't as a team that has to win now. I think we all agree with that. The Toronto Maple Leafs, mm -hmm. a thirty-seven year old goaltender with one year left on his deal or whatever it is, flurry one or one two year, years yeah. left, on one his year, deal, one year at around seven million dollars mm -hmm. is a perfect fit. It's a perfect fit. And they couldn't do anything about it because they already, like a magician, had handcuffed themselves behind their own back. They couldn't move on that deal. They had no way, they had no way to, to execute it. But yeah. I think there's deeper roster flaws than just goaltending, Bob. Oh, I mean, sure. You look, you look at the lack of depth up front after the top four guys. Well, but that's why, though. Startling. Z, if you spend 40 million, if you spend half the cap on four yeah. forwards, and you got to have a couple of decent defensemen, and you want a goaltender, and you want support for those four forwards. Well, they're you know that's one hundred and sixty million dollars. Good luck. Mm -hmm. And did did we did we mention that Morgan Riley's contract's coming up in a year, and that he's going to uh, look well, at Seth Jones? Look yeah. at Seth Jones's deal. Look at Dougie Hamilton's deal. Look at a, a few other deals. Then say, well, I'm I may not be nine million dollars, but I'm seven, seven and a half. Mm -hmm. Right. This organization is going to do what other failed organizations have done in the past and Buffalo might be among them. They're going to wind up trading their best assets too late when those assets no longer have tangible value. And Buffalo at least has only got one. They got to figure out. Okay. Actually. So, so yeah, yeah, I know. So actually with that in mind, with that statement in mind, Bob, that almost makes you justify trading Mark Andre Fleury out of Vegas. Meaning what? Well, they I mean they got something. You know, they they solved their cap issues. They still have a goaltender that it does, does doesn't get paid as much, and you know, Mark Andre Fleury's off the books, and well, he's gone to Chicago. I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing it from a Vegas perspective. I understand why Vegas did it. Yeah. All I'm saying is hypothetically, the Toronto what the Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is to Kevin's point. You know, you start with a goaltender. If you haven't got a goaltender, you're going anywhere. Yeah. Right. And here was a goaltender who was available who is a frontline goaltender who's won a bunch of cups, been to a bunch of finals, just won the Vezina, is 37, but still got a little gas in the tank. Maple Leafs couldn't play in that arena. And instead, they got Peter Morazic, who played how many games last year? Hmm. 12. 25. Oh, yeah, he was hurt most. That's the problem. Morazic and Campbell, I, it'll be interesting to see if they can get to 82 games between the two of them. So Campbell was barely a backup last year. And out of emergency, became the number one goaltender. Mm. What do you think Kev, he is next year? Kev's trying to stay awake because there's so much Toronto Maple Leafs talk. No, no, it, it, it underscores everything I've been saying. I mean, it yeah. does. I, I mean, I, this is how we got to it is it speaks to yeah. what Kevin was talking about earlier. Exactly. I'm sure. You know, adding to your flurry point, that would be a difficult trade for as much as I like flurry and, and the Toronto need and all of it. The, the disparity in their ages there would be really, really hard for me to get into that trade. But I get the central point. Adding to your point, Bob, is the fact that Vegas wanted to move him last summer and couldn't. That's, 
Yeah. That's right. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's, they get to a certain age and, and, and people start dialing down on the, on the magical analytics and the rest of it. Oh, I but, get it. But, but flurry is, you know, which again is part of, part of why Toronto is doomed. I mean, the, the analytics should go right next to birth date, weight and height, <laughs> you know, all, all good yeah. and interesting, right? Doesn't mean he can play. Doesn't yeah. mean six four two ten D is going to be where he has to be when it's the right plate, right time to be, right? All yeah, that is, is you get your ass to the front of the net and stop the goal, right? Uh, con- conversely, it doesn't mean you can't play. Yeah. Well, that, that's right. That's I mean, right. Fleur, the Vegas would have traded. You're right. Vegas would have traded Flurry last year, and the guy went on and won the Vesna. And sure. they probably should have been a Stanley Cup final team, but. Um, Anyway, well, they had listen. Let's let's face it. They're they're not. They weren't in the Stanley Cup final because they were a cap team uh, that, in fact, as the season wore down, had to play with less than the full yeah. roster at times because of the cap issues they had. Uh, and by the time they got to the third round, all of their stars were exhausted, were exhausted, and they couldn't even skate on the ice up and down properly. Yeah, they didn't that was that, that that was, and they could, and the, and the scoring suffered more than anything else. Wasn't the goaltending that killed him? Although the one play by Flurry didn't help. Yeah, but we keep going back to that one play, and and he got benched as a result of it, which I think was like berserk. Oh, no. Of course you know, it was. Okay, it was a stupid thing to do, but it was one. I mean, the whole body of work during the postseason, Flurry was pretty damn good. You know, who's and- the last? Who's the last Leaf goalie who would have won with this bunch in front of him? Eddie Belfour. Yeah. Eddie Belfour. Yeah. That's a ways back. Uh, early 2000s, right? Well, Kev, you say that's a ways back? <laughs> He's the last goalie to win a playoff series for the Toronto Maple Leafs, which, by the way, occurred at a time where they still used the center ice red line for two-line passes. And, 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 I, and I, last I checked, there wasn't a salary cap. So, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I say bring the two-line pass back, uh, offside back. <laughs> that's what's really holding the Maple Leafs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bring back obstruction, Bob. Oh, wait a minute. Eddie Belfour might still be the better choice right now. What's he doing these days? Oh, he's fixing his cars. Just fixing cars. Having a good time. I don't know. Maybe he's not too old. Meanwhile, you know, Jack Campbell has this kind of Cinderella season last year, and everybody kind of fell in love with him. What happened in Game 7? The Habs oh. open the scoring with a shot from the top of the circle that goes through the five hole. Yeah. Okay. What happened to Jack Campbell is exactly what, what fans and, and media have been whining about Fred Anderson for a long time. He's great in the regular season. Maybe for the, maybe it's a reflection of the whole team. Oh, he's been great for the entire season or very good, but he can't win the big game. Mm. Well, did Jack Campbell win the big game? And I'm not putting that all on Jack Campbell, but there was an odor on that first Montreal goal in game seven, which, which certainly uh, moved the stick and changed momentum in that game. So, um, you know, we keep going in circles about the goalie thing, but uh, you know, that's, that, that's why I, I, well, I see there are lots to. out in Toronto's goal. Hey, whatever city, you know, whatever city in the NHL you're, you're listening to this uh, podcast on, that becomes the topic of conversation all the time. Yes. You yeah. know, look at the people in Edmonton. And right now, it's Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen, and and I, I mean, they I they are trying their damnedest not to make 
make sure that that's the case there. You know, Vancouver's got Thatcher Demko, but you know, who, who's going to help back up and can Demko carry an 82 game schedule? That's, there's lots of questions across the country, maybe except for Winnipeg, uh, where Connor Hellebuck is, is still supposed to be one of the best goalies. And who didn't Montreal have a great season. It, it didn't have a great season in Montreal where is carry healthy enough. Is he going to be healthy enough to start the season? So the, there's tons goaltending, the goaltending question. I mean, look at Boston, Kevin. I mean, if I had told you that Linus Allmark's going to be your starting goalie next year, would you have believed me? No, no. And there's a pile up of consequences why that is, right? Yeah. With, with RAS surgery and a rookie goal. The, the other point, I think, an important point to make about goaltending is, let's not forget, Fleury had a couple of stinkers in the playoffs this year that, mm-hmm. that, that got him hooked, right? Uh, it, it, what it comes down to is team belief in the guy who's in there. They're mm-hmm. all, you know, that, that, that one early Z where it goes through the five hole. If you've got a team that believes, listen, that's an anomaly. I know he'll shut it down from here. We'll persevere. We'll motor on. But it's, but it's goaltenders like that, that all of a sudden that easy one goes in and the rest of the team is saying, oh God, what do we got here now? Right. So we go again. Right. You've, you've got to have a goaltender that they're all going to have bad nights. They're all going to have a bad week to a month, but you got to have, you got to have a guy in there that the rest of the unit truly has faith in. They might not even like them. You know, they, there's, as we know, there's been some irascible goaltenders. Billy Smith wasn't all that well liked in the room, but he had it. He had it start to finish all Just the time. Just stop the puck, baby. Just stop right. the puck. Right. And, and make me believe you will. Guys, um, we could go on and on, and uh, but we won't. And we did. Uh, and we did. Uh, but we'll <laughs> let you go at this point in time. I, we have solved uh, and accomplished absolutely nothing as per usual. <laughs> that is what we do here. However, that is exactly what we do, and we will continue to do it um, <laughs> as long as the crick don't rise. Uh, Mr. DuPont, Mr. Zeisberger, thank you both for your participation as always. We enjoy it, and uh, we'll uh, we'll call on you again somewhere down the road. All the best. All the best, guys. Thanks for having us. We'll be back after these messages. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. So again, our thanks to uh, DuPont and Zeisberger for uh, being with us. I'm not sure we we analyzed anything. Uh, I'm not sure we came to any direct conclusions other than on the Toronto Maple Leafs, and um, we probably shouldn't have gone down that road, given that we knew they weren't going to be able to do anything, and they didn't do anything. They essentially traded Morazic for Anderson. Mm-hmm. I know it wasn't a trade, but that's really what they did. And I don't think we're going to get bent out of shape over that. Um, they're banking on Campbell being their number one goaltender. Maybe he will be. They, but they, I'm, I'm sure the Maple Leafs know they need to be better, and particularly in their in their forwards, their bottom six. And then they've got some cap challenges over the next couple of years with guys like Morgan Riley. That's that's the reality of what's going on in Toronto. But there sounds like there's no intent on trading anybody of consequence here. Well, no, I think Kyle has already said that we're going to stick with this group. We're going to give them one more chance, and we believe in them, and we're going to move on. So if they do what they've done for the last four years, um, 
who goes first, the players or the general manager? I, I think this management team has one more year uh, to, to prove that they, they have a plan that works, a blueprint that is effective. Uh, and I, I, quite frankly, I, you know, having not talked to them, but I guarantee you that they know that too, that they, they're giving, been given one last opportunity to make this a championship team, uh, let alone win a playoff series. Would you give them that year? I would. Yeah, I would. But I'm a softie. You know that, Bob. I'm a softie. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, more hockey talk tomorrow. Uh, the commissioner of the National Hockey League, Gary Bettman, will uh, join us, although our conversation will not dwell on the Toronto Maple Leafs or their, <laughs> their woes, uh, but rather the future of the game and the Olympics and a bunch of other stuff. So, Gary Bettman, tomorrow, we hope you'll come back for that episode. Uh, we thank you for watching or listening. For uh, John Shannon, Bob McCowan. See ya. See ya.